With the Lunar New Year's break approaching, President Tsai Ing-wen on Friday continued with her visits to Army units to boost morale, this time going to Jai. At a base there, the military for the first time showcased a high-tech drone that was developed by the National Zhongshan Institute of Science and Technology. In a speech, Tsai stressed the need to strengthen the military's combat capabilities while warning China that its show of military might not was helpful to cross-strait relations and regional peace and stability. Covered by firepower from clouded leopard-armored vehicles, army officers and soldiers march forward. This is a simulation of what might happen at the Jiayi airport during an air raid. Even the rotor-winged UAV, which was first made public at the end of last year by the National Zhongshan Institute of Science and Technology, for the first time publicly was part of a military drill. The National Zhongshan Institute of Science and Technology rotor-wing tactical UAV, which was developed with a private company, can provide the troops with complete battlefield images. When satellite positioning systems are factored in, it can provide the artillery with precise targets for their firepower. Through UAV monitoring and reconnaissance drills simulating an actual battlefield situation, we don't only strengthen the ability of officers and soldiers in actual combat, but also their ability to respond to prevailing new types of warfare. The president boosted troops' morale for the Lunar New Year holiday, stressing that military training should get even closer to an actual combat situation. She also inspected the 4th Tactical Fighter Wing and even had a few choice words aimed at China. The continuous military activities from the PRC Army will be of no help for cross-strait relations, nor will they aid regional peace and stability. In the face of the continuous expansion of authoritarianism, only by continuously strengthening national defense capabilities and resilience can we ensure national security and interests. Amid PLA aircraft and vessel encroachments, the 7th Fleet under the US Pacific Command said in a statement that the Arle Burke-class guided missile destroyer USS Chung-hoon January 5th conducted a routine transit of the Taiwan Strait demonstrating the U.S. commitment to a free and open Indo-Pacific. It was the first publicised transit from a U.S. warship for this year. Taiwan's Defence Ministry said the military had a full grasp of movements in Taiwan's surrounding seas and airspace throughout the whole process, and there were no irregularities. The Chinese embassy in South Korea is accusing Korean politicians of making a, quote, sneaky visit after the deputy speaker of South Korea's National Assembly, Chung Woo Taek, led a delegation to Taiwan at the end of last month. The visit, though low-key, included meeting with President Tsai Ing-wen and legislative speaker Yoshi Kun. Taiwan's foreign minister hit back on Friday, saying Beijing's wolf warrior diplomacy is disgusting. This is the photo that infuriated China. Chung Woo Taek, the deputy speaker of the National Assembly of South Korea, and Chu Kyung Tae, another National Assembly member and chair of the Taiwan-Korean Parliamentary Friendship Group, were making a visit to Taiwan at the end of last month. They met with President Tsai Ing-wen and Legislative UN Speaker Yoshi Kun. The visit was kept secret until after the delegation returned home, and one of the Korean politicians, 
posted a photo of their trip online. The Chinese embassy in South Korea responded with a statement, accusing the politicians of making a sneaky visit. It stressed that their visit severely violated China's so-called One China principle and the spirit of the joint communique signed by South Korea and China to mark the establishment of diplomatic relations. Taiwan's foreign ministry immediately shot back. It said that China's accusations that the visit had been sneaky were severely distorting the facts, harming South Korea's national standing and disregarding Taiwan's sovereign rights and interests. China's twisting of right and wrong and the uncouth language of its wolf warrior diplomacy was disgusting, the Taiwanese foreign ministry said. This is an unofficial relationship. After all, at this stage, we don't have diplomatic relations with South Korea. In fact, I think exchanges between parliamentarians should be broader. Any country should be open-minded and have broad-reaching aspirations. Every country that believes it's necessary to have more communication and interactions with Taiwan faces the same pressure. China always finds various reasons and excuses. No matter how low-key something is, China will always use it as an excuse for protests and strong actions. For once, the KMT and DPP were on the same page, as these exchanges between the two nations' parliamentarians were unofficial in nature. The Citizen Congress Watch on Friday held a press conference to protest the decision by KMT lawmaker Ling Yihua to wait until February to leave her post and become Taipei deputy mayor. The timing of the registration means that Da'an district will be left without representation in the legislative yuan until the next legislative elections in early 2024. That's because the remaining term for a successor would be less than a year, which is below the legal threshold to hold a by-election. Let's hear from the Citizen Congress Watch. I think it's ludicrous. This tomfoolery will go down in the history books. I see it as an act of recklessness and arrogance. Taiwan already has a small number of lawmakers, and now there are people deliberately leaving seats vacant. What spiteful behavior. You, Jiang Wan'an, you asked Li Yihua to work with you when you knew very well that she was a lawmaker. You're in cahoots with her to undermine Taiwan's democracy. Are you not going to take responsibility for this? The NGO is calling on Lin to leave her post before the end of the current legislative session on January 13th so that a by-election can be held. It accused her of delaying her resignation for political considerations and urged Taipei Mayor Jiang Wan'an to get Lin to vacate her post before it is too late. This next story, we meet Mirago Tursen, a Uyghur who was imprisoned in one of China's so-called vocational training centers that critics say are no more than concentration camps. She said she was tortured and forcibly sterilized while being held. The Chinese government, for its part, denies many of Tursen's claims. However, they still fit a growing pattern of evidence emerging about the systematic repression of Muslim Uyghurs carried out by the Chinese government in Xinjiang. Tursen has now written a memoir describing how she survived her imprisonment. FTV reporter Stephanie Yang takes us to meet her. Hello, I'm Mirko Tursen. I'm very happy to 
Miracle Chersun, a former Uyghur detainee from Xinjiang, greets everyone through a video call. Chersun alleges that in 2015 she was taken into custody by the Chinese authorities and was imprisoned at a so-called vocational training center for Uyghurs, where she says she was tortured. She says that her three triplet babies then were also forcibly taken from her and one died in a hospital at the hands of the Chinese authorities. Since 2018, she's been living in the U.S. where she still fears for her life every day, saying that the Chinese government has placed her under surveillance. The last time I saw my parents, brother and sister was in 2017. Till now I have not talked to them or other relatives. It has been almost five years now and I still haven't heard any updates from them. It is a tormenting experience. My two children are also sick. I am still alive with my children in the US, but the Chinese government will not let us go. I will not stop fighting back. Sometimes I have nightmares when I sleep at night. I will scream, save me, save me, they caught me again, where are my children? Of course, it is much better now, but I don't want to read my book because I don't want to go back to the time I was in China. I came to the US in 2018. From 2018 to 2020, it was a very difficult time. Within those two years, I moved seven times because the home I lived in was not safe. Because of that, the FBI installed cameras at the entrance to my house and next to the windows. Last year and this year, I feel a bit safer because I moved to another safe place arranged by the U.S. government. In her memoir, Place of No Return, How I Survived China's Uyghur Camps, Tersun describes the experiences she faced. Through the book, Tersun says she hopes to let the world know about human rights violations relating to Uyghurs and tell the truth about crimes committed in the so-called vocational training centers. She hopes that people in Taiwan can hear her story and help by standing up for Uyghurs. I urge the people of Taiwan and all kind-hearted people to learn a lesson from this and speak up for Uyghurs and help us. In order to avoid the same fate as me and of all Uyghurs, I sincerely hope that the people of Taiwan can keep up with your work. I hope you can speak up for Uyghurs and not be fooled by the CCP. The Legislative Yuan's Human Rights Commission, the Uyghur Human Rights Project of the United States, the Taiwan's East Turkestan Association, and Tersun's publishers recently held a press conference to promote her memoir. It is our common goal to turn such condemnation into change, into pressure, into a force for change, so that Uyghurs can truly regain their freedom one day. The executive Yuan continues to pay attention to the Uyghurs and expresses condolences to all Uyghurs who have seen their lives destroyed. We will also discuss how to cooperate with other democratic countries as soon as possible and impose relevant sanctions on the Chinese government. The legislators have pledged their support and voiced solidarity for Uyghurs. FTV reporter Stephanie Yang and Li Yihan in Taipei. Taiwan's consumer price index in December went up 2.71 percent from the previous year, according to the government statistics agency. For the whole of 2022, the rise was 2.95 percent, a 14-year high. With food prices up 4.93 percent, some members of the public say it's getting harder and harder to make ends meet. 
The price of eggs and meat all rose due to price increases for grain and other feed. The price of vegetables rose by 11.98%, affected by the recent cold weather and the low baseline from last year. Rice prices rose 7.5%, the biggest leap in 82 months. But it was not all increases as fruit prices fell 5.32%. The marching band from Taipei First Girls High School is back in Taiwan after an 11-day visit to the U.S. The trip was a rare opportunity for the 127 students with performances at the prestigious Rose Parade and in Disneyland. Students say it was an unforgettable experience despite the hard work keeping the show running. But for some, there was no time to relax after returning to Taiwan. At the airport, some students were already in their uniforms, ready to go straight to class. After 11 days in the U.S., the marching band from Taipei First Girls High School landed back in Taiwan on Friday morning. Right after touchdown, some students put on their uniforms and headed back to school. After all, their finals are just around the corner. Over in the U.S. after the show, I went home, took a shower and went back to my books. The best thing was that on the street, people would scream our country's name and cheer for us. People there were very kind. They would say welcome Taiwan and things like that. They thanked us for going there. It was hard to put on such energetic performances and sacrificing their free time to study, but the students say it was all worth it. They say it was an experience for the books. The 127-member strong marching band was invited to take part in the 9-kilometer Rose Parade, held to celebrate the new year in the Californian city of Pasadena. I was in charge of the quints, which are quite heavy. They weigh about 14 kilograms. The musical director told me that it was an outstanding cadre. They estimate there were about 750,000 people watching that day. Besides the main performance at the Rose Parade, the marching band also filed along the fantastical streets of Disneyland. The rainy weather did not put a damper on the performer's playful spirit. The superb performance was well received by the audience, bringing pride to Taiwanese at home and abroad. It was such a momentous occasion that a pilot who was previously the head of the school's parent-teacher association requested his airline to let him fly the students across the ocean. My child graduated last year. I've been seeing how the marching band has been training over the past year, and I was really touched. So I want to be part of this great opportunity for all the kids. It has been a true honour in my pilot career. For the first time in 18 years, the high school's marching band was once again able to shine on the international stage, showing to the US just how fun and energetic Taiwan can be. The CES, one of the biggest consumer electronics shows, has kicked off in the U.S. with the biggest names in electronics exhibiting their latest technologies. Several Taiwanese companies showed off their wares at what is referred to as the most prestigious event in the industry. Among them, HTC presented its new standalone virtual reality headset, while Asus showed off a new computer screen that allows users to view renders in 3D with the naked eye. 
With a VR headset and a remote control, she visits her virtual house in the metaverse. There, she can try on different outfits or invite her friends in different parts of the world to meet online. This headset supports mixed reality functions, allowing the wearer to, for example, draw in the air around them. HTC is trying to break into the metaverse market. At this year's CES, the company announced its standalone virtual reality and mixed reality headset. It doesn't need to be connected to a computer to operate. The headset can also be dismantled into a pair of goggles that weigh just over 200 grams for more comfort while playing video games. The headset has built-in diopter adjustments so that people with nearsightedness of up to six diopters don't need to take of their prescription glasses to use it. Metaverse content creators and companies that hold events have a platform to host their content. We think it will grow very rapidly. That propels humanity. Meanwhile, computer powerhouse Asus presented new computing products for domestic use, commercial purposes, and gaming. One laptop that caught much attention uses 3D OLED technology so that users can view content in 3D without the need for any additional accessories such as headsets. The world's first glasses-free 3D OLED technology, you don't need to wear VR goggles or AR glasses. The company is marketing its new technology to designers, who can use it to view architectural mock-ups or machinery components in 3D right on the screen. All the latest technologies are on show at this year's CES. The famed Lunar New Year Market at Dihua Street in Taipei is open once again after two years shut down due to COVID. Shoppers flock to the historical district on opening day to stock up on festive goodies and sample a snack or two or a dozen. The market has plenty of activities, including a wool wrapped with red envelopes, hiding surprises for revelers to try out their luck. With the year of the rabbit coming up, organizers have put up five gigantic inflatable bunnies in the area, which have become popular places to snap selfies. Let's hear what it's like. There are five rabbits in total in the north, center and south, starting from Taipei Bridge. It's a beautiful way to usher in the year of the rabbit. We've put up a sea of lanterns to give people the feeling that the Lunar New Year is coming. It's a huge difference with how I remember the previous edition of the market. Today is just the first day, but in comparison with the first days of previous years, crowds are about 20 to 30 percent bigger. We have some older people in our family, and they really like some of the dried goodies here, so we'll be buying some for them. Stalls offering all sorts of Lunar New Year wares now line the street with large crowds to boot. The renowned market will be open until January 20th. If Dihua Street is too far for you, businesses in nine other commercial districts in the capital will also be putting out festive goodies for sale. Today we take a trip to the mountains of Taidong to study indigenous botany. Indigenous elder Ling Chenmeishan is a soap maker from the Paiwan people. She teaches wild herb foraging in the forest of Taidong, showing visitors how to make natural soap from local ingredients. She says getting in touch with the local ecosystem is a way for indigenous people to reconnect with their heritage and identity. 
These shelves are covered in colorful soaps, fragrance with sakekasu, coffee, roselle, and tana, or ailanthus-like prickly ash. These natural ingredients give the soaps a delightful color and scent, and they're all made from local Taidong mountain plants. There is a mountain behind every indigenous village. This is floss flower. You can touch them and smell them. Wearing a traditional golden dress and with a bamboo basket on her back, Lin Chen Meishan knows these forest plants like the back of her hand. Floss flower and tropical burnweed are both cooking ingredients and medicines, and have been part of indigenous people's knowledge system for generations. As Lin Chen teaches her students, her basket is growing steadily heavier. Lin Chen has Paiwan ancestry and was born in Taitong. She's full of energy as she shows her culture to visitors. She moved to Taipei to work as a young woman, but felt keenly the loss of connection with indigenous culture. So she moved back to her hometown to start a business, teaching tourists how to make their own soaps so that they could take a tiny bit of the Taitong Mountains home. The basic soap ingredients are heated up, and the freshly harvested herbs are added. Immediately, the studio is smelling like a forest glade, and the soap is turning green. I think it's quite novel to have wild herb soap. I think knowledge like this should be handed down and passed on. When you enter a village, you enter the timeline of nature. Seeing these plants and flowers can actually help us recognize our own indigenous identity. Through becoming familiar with all the plants of the forest, Lin Chen got back in touch with her roots. Now she wants to help pass indigenous traditions and wisdom on to everyone who visits the mountains.